Hi, I'm Jeannie Becker. Welcome to Beyond Style Matters. I've spent decades working in fashion's trenches, seeing the best and the worst of human style, and had the opportunity to get up close and personal with some of the world's most intriguing characters. What I've learned about truly great style is that it goes far beyond what we wear. It's about the way we move through the world. On this episode, I talk to iconic model Coco Rocha. Not since Coco Chanel has there been a Coco that's been so celebrated in style circles. Coco Rocha was born in Toronto, raised in Richmond, B.C., and took the international fashion world by storm when she opened Jean-Paul Gaultier's fall-winter 2007 runway show with an Irish jig. Discovered at an Irish dance competition in 2002, Coco became known as the world's first digital supermodel for all her social media savvy. A staunch advocate for younger models, Coco, now 32, has raised awareness for myriad issues from eating disorders to human trafficking. Famous for dozens of high-profile campaigns for top houses like Versace, Balenciaga, Chanel, Dior, and YSL, Coco is adored for her playful posing and air of theatricality, a true performance artist with an inherently great sense of personal style. As a matter of fact, Coco wrote the foreword to my 2011 book about modeling, strutting it, the grit behind the glamour. And I chose her to do that because I knew how well Coco understood all the trappings of modeling and how passionate she was about the business, warts and all. When she launched her own clothing line in 2016, Coco asked me to host the launch party. She went on to found her own model camp, where she expertly mentors aspiring models, and she's also co-owner of a modeling agency. Coco's stellar career trajectory is only surpassed by her wonderful family life. She and her husband, artist James Conran, have two adorable children, and a third do any day now. To put it bluntly, Coco Rocha is unstoppable and an inspiring role model for a whole generation. Oh, Coco Rocha, I am so thrilled to see you. Welcome to this episode of Beyond Style Matters. You have always been uh, very special to me for so many reasons, huh. probably because, you know, I think I, I first fell in love with you when a lot of the rest of the world did too, seeing you do the jig uh, <laughs> on the runway at Jean-Paul Gaultier's fall winter 2007 show. That was a, uh, that was a moment. And it was like, who oh, is yes, that chick? <laughs> and you've, you've uh, you know, you've just continued to uh, shine in so many different ways and continue to uh, make your presence felt in some very important ways. Um, and obviously motherhood is agreeing with you in such a brilliant way. How oh, has thanks. it been? How has it been the last, the last few months? It's been much different than the last two, for sure. Uh, you know, COVID really has changed how I can go to the hospital uh, the last time I could share it with my little girl, she could join me and visit and see like the baby's heartbeat. And this time it's, you know, mom on her own in a mask and you check your temperature. They make sure that you're safe before you can get to the hospital. So it is a very different experience, although 
being pregnant, it's the exact same. I, there's been no uh, sickness. I don't crave anything. I think the worst and it, most of my pregnancies have been that I'm just moody, which <laughs> hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, <laughs> we're all been, we're entitled. <laughs> but exactly, and I, I don't think it's helped being, you know, cooped at home, but um, yeah. we, we're, mm-hmm. we're all doing good here. But the whole feeling of you know, having um, this role, you know, for now the third time, like being a mother, be, becoming a mother the first time, you know, we were all watching you with such wide-eyed wonder, like, how is she going to do it? How could she remain so glamorous through this whole thing and still keep a career going and, and still, you know, just be such a great mom? And then you were so comfortable in the role, it seemed. And then you had this other wonderful little baby and, you know, it, was just, it almost seemed like, oh, you're old, an old hand at this. Now here we come with baby number three. I mean, your perception of yourself, I mean, how has that changed now that you're such a seasoned mom? <laughs> um, I guess I, I don't really think of myself anymore. I think any mom can relate that, you know, you you don't think you're quite a selfish person until you have a child and then you realize that and you don't matter. Nothing matters in comparison to these little people. Um, and I think that it actually really helped my my myself and also my career and understanding that, um, you know, a very young me in fashion, really worried about what the industry thought of her and um, really wanted to make them proud and achieve what they wanted me to achieve. And then having a child, it just kind of, you realize that that none of that ever mattered. Um, and I still love what I do, but I realize I, I do it because um, I want to do it, not because people are telling me how to do it. And so really being a mom has really um, made me grown. So as to have a third one, um, I, I'm sure it's going to change me even more. I'm sure I'm going to be chaos in this house and craziness and uh, all, the, all the above. But I, I think that in, in all, I'm obsessed with being a mom. I literally would wish I could be the Von Trapp family and have like seven children. Um, um, it is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Oh, well, you have found such an incredible soulmate um, with James as well. And I remember the first time I met James, you know, he introduced <laughs> him to me. And this is my boyfriend. It's like, okay, like someone that leads that kind of fast paced, crazy out there glam life can manage to, to have a boyfriend, can manage to have a really great, solid relationship. I was just so thrilled for you. And then to watch uh, the evolution of your relationship and watch how supportive James has been. And the fact that he is an artist too, so he can see the world through that lens. Mm-hmm. How did you meet him? How did we meet? Uh, very boring, very boring stories at a house party. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. and the weird part about it is I don't quite remember him at that house party and he didn't really like me at that house party. So it was definitely not love at first sight. And yet here we are 10 years later married and we were friends for a good four years before that. So It's been, um, James has been in my life, I feel like forever. And we work together. And as you say, his background is um, in the arts. So he definitely uh, has been so helpful in the the creative side. But now James has also turned into my manager. He's been my manager the last 10 years. um, And we together own a a modeling agency. So, you know, the creative side for, for him, unfortunately, he, he doesn't get to paint or create as he used to. Um, and he put down the back burner for me. 
And, you know, um, I totally appreciate that because, um, in all honesty, most men, you know, you don't, they don't thrive for being in the shadows of maybe their, their wives' careers. And yet that's what James has always been doing. And he knows, and I know that this is a partnership that although maybe I'm the, the face of the company, that if it weren't for him and myself together combined, we wouldn't have been able to create what we've created now. I am so inspired by that. And, you know, some people have said in the past, you know, never mix business with pleasure or business with family or, yes. you know, sometimes I remember what, and probably this is why he is now my ex-husband. I suggested to my ex-husband who was, uh, you know, he's, he's like a, a radio uh, personality who mm-hmm. was having a very successful radio show at the time when my career was really bubbling up. And I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did a show together? That would be like so great. It was so perfect. Like what a no brainer. You know, people could tune in and have breakfast with us every morning. And he was like, absolutely not. You know, we can't work together like that. No, no, I wouldn't do it. It would ruin the relationship. But you see, you just got to have faith sometimes if it's meant to be. That's incredible. It says a lot about who you guys are as people too. Um, the fact that you can have that kind of solid relationship. We joke that uh, we have been married 10 years, but in reality, we work 24-7 together, so it feels like 40. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it looks great on you, sweetie. And, and another thing that is so great and another you know, connection that we have, uh, when you say that now you've got a modeling agency, you know, I can't think of a better person to have a modeling agency than someone who has been and continues to be a very successful model because you understand the business so intimately. And when I wrote um, my book, Strutting It, The Grit Behind the Glamour, which was kind of for kids, it was for for the youth market, a book uh, that came out in 2011 for, uh, I would say maybe those between 12 and 16 or whatever it was that we said, I asked you to write the foreword and you kindly Mm -hmm. did. And you wrote a beautiful, beautiful piece. And in that piece, because I, I have the book right here, haven't opened it for a while. You said, <laughs> it's a difficult career choice and many of the hardships are only realized when you're actually in the thick of it. When did you actually make the choice to throw yourself so wholeheartedly into this career? I guess I was thrown into it, first of all, uh, when I was 14 uh, at a dance competition, someone had come up to me and said, have you ever thought of modeling? I laughed it off just thinking this person must be insane because a 14 year old to me with who was tall, lanky, dorky, skinny was not a model in my mind, at least the knowledge of what I knew of a model. Um, so I just kind of brushed it off, but he kept being persistent every time I was at a dance competition. So And why was he there? Because his daughter danced as well. Um, So I finally said, yes, I would try it out. Um, And the first few times I went, I went to New York uh, and I kind of just thought this will be a fun summer thing. So I wasn't taking any of it very seriously uh, until I think my agents were saying, you should take this seriously because it seems like this might be something that works for you, uh, that's um, fitting for you. So After that point, um, I remember then thinking, instead of just kind of walking into castings and being like, who's this? I don't know this photographer. Why does it matter to me Um, that I should almost educate myself? So I do remember finishing high school and in exam practices, a friend of mine who was obsessed with fashion, we would go over, so you know, like history class, French class, 
English and then she would do a fashion class for me and she literally was trying to train me in all space of fashion and who these individuals were and why I should work with them. And, and at that point, I started to take notice and realize this might be my future career. Um, and then sure enough, meeting James, who then took an interest in my career, he really like he became more educated on everything than I was. So I was like, I need to keep up with this boyfriend of mine that is taking so much um, uh, consideration of what I'm doing. I should probably even think more so of what I'm doing. So uh, after that point, uh, I definitely would say I had an interest, but I think the passion of really wanting to change the industry or do something more than take some pretty photos was when I was invited by Anna Wintour uh, to speak at the CFDA um, and speak on behalf of models and uh, what it was like working as a runway model, the health, the, the issues of safety, all sorts of things. And when I had this kind of blessing from her saying, go ahead and speak, uh, I never stopped speaking on all subjects of harassment, uh, health, um, safety, underage protection, um, and that would definitely be since that point, I've been very focused on showing, showcasing that models, um, we can do it any way we want. Um, and I, I want girls to feel like whatever way they want to do it, they have the right to do it, but also they have a safe way of doing it. You obviously... Uh met some of these challenges head on. I mean, a lot of this stuff was stuff that you were seeing for yourself. You were being treated in certain ways that were just not acceptable, that were outrageous. Um, when did the first thing happen that made you think, uh-oh, this is not the way things should be. This is wrong. Oh, the first thing, you know what? Those first few years sometimes turn into a blur. I do remember in like a general sense of time frame, maybe some shoots where I started to be asked to remove clothes. Um, not that the people were being, uh, maybe at the time I thought people were being bullies or unfair or treating me not kindly, but more so now looking back, I think they just thought it was the arts. They were thinking, hey, you know, this is beautiful. Just, you know, a nude shot or, you know, wearing something a little sheer. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm underage or I'm, this isn't appropriate, but I would have a hard time using my voice. And had I probably used my voice, maybe it would have been, no worries, let's move on. Let's find something you're comfortable with. But uh, being the, uh, a nervous um, teenager, sometimes I just felt like, well, if I don't do this, these adults who should be taking care of me would be mad at me. And then coming from high school and coming from, you know, your parents, you want to please adults. And so as crazy looking back now, thinking all I had to do or what I needed to say was no, or I'm going to wear something appropriate, age appropriate, um, it, it's something I always look back on. So definitely those sort of things were my first education of I need to speak up as a model. Um, and then, yeah, later on, it, I could remember conversations of how people would speak to me about my body how it was, you know, it wasn't an, enough. I had to be maybe thinner, that I was, my teeth weren't perfect, my face wasn't uh, skinny enough, whatever it would be, but people were actually saying these words to me 
which always was shocking because, you know, in any other field, we were talking to someone about their, what they can bring to the table, like mentally, um, what they uh, know on the subject of, right? But a model, it's just your face. It is just your body uh, at first. And that was very difficult to all of a sudden have to hear. And I don't think we need to hear those things, especially in this day and age where we're really all about positivity, body positivity, as well as diversity. Um, I don't want to ever have to hear a model say that she's dealing with those sort of things, but I do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a weird a roller coaster um, from the beginning. It's been said that uh, what makes a model truly great, what makes a, you know, a, a young girl truly be able to blossom into this role um, is the kind of sense of herself that she has. I mean, you have to have a very strong sense of yourself, I think, to be a great model. Um, and boy, I've, I've met them all. <laughs> I've certainly met a lot. You right from the get go. Um, yeah, I, I guess I watched you grow over the years, no question, and saw your evolution. But from almost the beginning, you just seemed to have a, a kind of, you know, confidence, a, a great personality. I mean, you knew who you were. You were never shy. I shoved my microphone into your face for a soundbite backstage. You always, you know, seemed to be taking everything in stride. Was that the kind of kid you always were growing up? Or did you just really have to step up to the plate once you started working as a professional? Yeah, I would say once once I was thrown into the arena, I was um, trying my hardest to 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 uh, do it right. <laughs> I mean, uh, the young me was very nervous, very shy, not this, this the cool kid in school. Again, Irish dancer, probably the nerdy girl. Um, uh, but I had a good core of friends, families, values. I grew up. Um, um, with uh, morals and a moral compass that I believe helped a lot. Um, and when I came to this industry, I guess I knew sort of what I wanted. I knew sort of the lane I was looking to go down, um, but vocally, very hard for me. So when you say that like young me was very good at that, oh no, I was having a hard <laughs> time sort of uh, having a voice, but I do know that once you're in this, I teach at a model camp. Um, and I do tell girls, like, the first thing I want you to do is have a voice immediately, like, find it. Uh, you, you know, you can always have different directions you want to go as a person. That's totally acceptable. But just the voice to have it from the beginning um, will help. Yeah. It will definitely not harm you. Well, a, a brilliant lesson for any girl who's going into any business or just for, for for the business of life, you know, to really have a point of view and not be afraid to express it. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. And now the work that uh, that you have really become famous for as well, and so, uh, so monumental. Um, I sat in on a fabulous webinar that you gave not long ago um, when the whole Black Lives Matter movement was really, you know, rising up again and um, talking about um, diversity in the modeling industry and how there certainly wasn't enough of it out there. And we heard from some, you know, gorgeous black women who who just been having the worst time and you gave them such a wonderful platform and were so compassionate in the way that uh, you spoke to them. How, how have you come to terms with all the unfairness that you saw for all those years? 
Well, the thing is, for so long, um, I was trying to use my voice to kind of call out certain scenarios or people in the industry, and it wasn't working. Um, it was kind of backlash, actually, to my career. People would not work with me because of what I was uh, being outspoken about. Um, and I can understand how that can happen. <laughs> On the other hand, it also frustrated me moving forward at 2018 and Me, me Too, the Me Too movement, um, and how people would come back to me and say, let's have a, a quote, tell us what you think. We know this was something you've always talked about. And it was frustrating because there were so many of us, well, not so many, but some models that were talking about this. And I was one that could continue to work and many lost their careers over it. So uh, yeah, it, it, it annoys me sometimes thinking why couldn't things have, um, you know, changed earlier and even before me <laughs> so that my, my, uh, my time would not have had to deal with what it dealt with. But of course, it's fashion is as much as they like to think that they're current and relevant and up to speed, it is very slow in some parts. Um, so it does frustrate me. But then I realized instead of kind of trying to force people to hear the side of the model, how about I change my own little corner? So that's when we created Nomad Management, the agency and um, and like you said, have a model, you know, owning an agency, it's, it's different because I have experienced what it's like to be a model and what I'd like to see in management. But two, I also wanted to create a space where models can learn. So they don't necessarily have to be with my agency, but that they had a chance and opportunity to learn subjects like reading a contract, knowing your rights at agencies on shoots, uh, branding, social media, and just what is it to be a model in this day and age? So then we created Model Camp two years ago. And since mm. then, we've had a thousand models come. I just finished, in fact, like two hours ago, our 48th in-person Model Ugh. Camp. Um, and it, that is very inspiring to me because these are women from around the world who are so dedicated to being a model. And they want to know how to do it the best way, but also the right way. Um, so that is how I have now, I feel more at ease the way I've been doing it these days in that following by example, I guess, mm -hmm. and, I'm sorry, leading, not following, no. me time, baby number three got me, um, leading by example, um, and hopefully people in the industry and just, if they don't notice, it's fine. If they do notice, at least hopefully it, it motivates them to change as well. Every great conversation needs a pause. So this is the perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. And so you might ask, why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe great fashion should be accessible to everyone. And TSC.ca is home to some amazing designers, wonderful Canadians like Brian Bailey, Kim Newport Mimran of Pink Tartan fame, and Hilary McMillan, as well as quality brands like Lamarck and Ron White Shoes. It's one-stop shopping for everything you need to make your own style statement. And of course, TSC offers so much more than mere fashion. 
shoptsc.ca and discover some great brands at some great prices. One thing that I addressed in my book, Strutting It, was talking about the kind of person that I thought you needed to be in order to be successful as a model. Um, And I think, I still think, you know, it does take a certain kind of person to really make it as a model far beyond the physical. I mean, you know, like I get all these people come, oh, my kid's really, you know, gorgeous. And, you know, I should get them into modeling, right? Like should get, how can I get them in? And it, it has, that's just one small part of the prism, right? What kind of person do you think it takes to really, uh, succeed in this industry? Uh, I mean, you're 100% right. The first thing that people recognize and notice is your physique, for sure. But we do tell the models at Model Camp that, you know, I'm going to book you for eight hours, maybe for a day or two. I want to enjoy being with you. The personality of you, how kind you are, how you treat people, how you have conversations, all of that, that in a normal business world, someone will um, decide if they will uh, hire you for a job or not. It's the same in modeling too. Like if I enjoy being around you, most likely I'll rebook you. Once you're on set, then there's also the idea of how you work, the ethic of working and are you a hard worker? Um, When you show up, is it on time, early? Are you whining? Whatever it is, you know, just like anyone Mm -hmm. else at work. So the girls that make it, and when I say make it, because you can make it and no one know who you are. Um, but the girls that constantly can um, say that they work day in, day out as a model are girls that are very hardworking, but also are, treat people fairly. And I always say uh, at camp, and I do believe this, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. And it is something I've quoted over my entire career, but I still believe it. And most models, young, new models come in thinking, they're the most important person on set. And that's just not the case. And for those girls that want to have a long career, they treat everyone from the janitor to the photographer with the same respect. Um, And those are the people I want to work with as well. Yeah. Well, I think you're being a Canadian help too. You know what they say about Canadians (laughs) is nicer, more humble perhaps. But what about the thick skin that I think uh, you must have had to cultivate to some degree to put up with the kind of rejection that is inevitable in the fashion business? Yeah, I definitely didn't have thick skin before coming into this industry. I, um, was a very soft, emotional young girl. Um, Maybe dance gave me a little bit of it, but honestly, it was this industry that uh, I had to to cultivate that. Um, And do I have the best thick skin? No. I mean, I still find myself all of a sudden upset or uh, overwhelmed by a comment or something someone said or at work. Um, So I have to say to anyone that it's okay to have a bad day. Um, it's okay to know that you're not going to completely get it um, in your, I'm sure even you, you've done this more than anyone. And I know that it must, there must be times where you just look back or think at something and you're frustrated over it. And it's okay because that's just how we deal. Um, but this industry definitely has trained me to, like I said, find my voice, understand who I am and know that if anyone's, you know, uh, doesn't see it the way I see it, it's okay. 
people are allowed to have their own personal opinion. People are allowed to have another voyage, <laughs> but I, I know exactly how I want to do this. So I know I'm going to hear negativity. I know it's not always going to be positive, but as long as I, I understand how I would like to go about it, then it's fine. But again, I can give myself that pep talk every day of my life. It's, there's going to be a point in the day where I don't believe that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I allow myself to have that day. And then we refresh and we reprogram and we mm -hmm. start over again. I had an acting teacher in New York when I was studying acting back, back in the day. Oh, I was like 19 years old living in New York. I went to an acting school. There was a brilliant teacher there that said to me that a, a, a great actress can never be too sensitive. So as much as you think you have to build up the suit of armor, you know, at the end of the day, you're a communicator. And I truly think of you, Coco, and always have. I don't think of every model in the business as this, but I do think that you are a performance artist and you are a communicator and you are an actress of sorts without question. So I think your sensitivity, you know, it's important to hang on to. I think that's a good thing too. Like you say, if you, you don't just want to be that um, armored or that, you know, that, that shut down uh, behind the walls that people can't reach to you or that, or that you forget how to reach out to people. So um, yeah, good for you for hanging Thank on to your you. sensitivity. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm like, I am the most sensitive human ever. <laughs> it's, it's another my, reason. I'm like five-year-old little girl now. I'm like, you are me. This is the same yeah. person. When it, when it comes to, uh, you know, your daughter and setting such a brilliant example for her, as I'm sure, you know, you're conscious of sometimes, sometimes maybe not so conscious of, but inevitably you are going to be her primary role model. Um, how, how do you feel about encouraging her to, because I know you've had her on runways with you. You've, you've, she, you she poses with you on Instagram so phenomenally. You two are just a, a, a killer team. You're wonderful. <laughs> you know, should she want to enter the world of professional modeling, you know, one day, would you encourage that? Yeah, I mean, I get the, I have models come from around the world with their moms when they're underage, they come to camp. And there's me telling moms how to do it correctly and telling moms how to safely, you know, uh, walk this tightrope. But then for me to then be like, but honestly, I wouldn't let my kid do it. Um, I don't think it's fair. So I 100% would let her uh, model at the right age. And if we thought that as mom and dad that she was, um, you know, smart enough, educated enough and and kind of has the right head on her shoulders to do it, then yeah, we would for sure let her. Um, and that's what I always tell these moms and uh, these adult women that are modeling that, you know, you really have to, it's not an age that matters. It's really a mindset. If, if you're 45 and modeling, it doesn't mean that you're any better than a 13-year-old. It's really about, um, you know, how that sense of, confidence, you know, being positive, like we've talked about this whole time. And it doesn't matter if you're 14 or 25. Yeah. So I always tell them they all have to have kind of a, a sit down discussion by themselves and be prepared for the negative and positive and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so same thing with her. If she were to do this, we would really have to sit down and think, is she prepared to do this? Now, right now, she does little one-off things, but I'm always there with her. She does it with me. It's a shoot that is really based for me to do, and she comes along and does a, a photo or two. But no, she's not signed to an agency. She's not going out to castings. Um, just because I just uh, I don't see the need to do it right mm -hmm. now. 
Um, and Nora does, she, she has her fill of it with me when she comes. So mm-hmm. I think right now as how we do it is totally fine. Yeah. Um, but I do get moms that ask about their young model, mom, their young daughters who are about Ioni's age and, you know, how should I do it and what's the right way of doing it? And it is a very difficult thing to manage because you, you are mom, but then all of a sudden you are a momager. And sometimes people can't do the two. So it is a difficult situation sometimes. So I just want her to enjoy. She loves, she loves performing. This kid performs all day long. It's a little insane. Well, obviously she's a chip off the old block, but it is great when we see the success of Cindy Crawford's daughter, uh, Kate Moss's daughter now that's been modeling. You know, there are uh, a lot of great um, mom models out there who have successfully, you know, given their daughter's entrees to that business. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, though, the, like you say, the proof's in the pudding. The, the kid's got to be cut out for it. She's got to be yeah. the right, uh, or she or he has to be the right kind of person. You um, you came out with a wonderful book uh, a few years back that for me, especially, because I have this background in mime, you know, which is all about <laughs> corporal expression. I really appreciated a book called Pose, a beautiful, all, an art book, really, because it's just chock full of photographs of you in a million different poses. I mean, just really inspiring. That <laughs> The only, you know, limit is, is your imagination. I mean, your body to some degree, but uh, you, you certainly have a great imagination. And that's why, you know, again, I have such uh, faith and um, love for you as a performance artist, a true performance artist. But you said something on Instagram, I think just the other day, you were modeling this, just this big white shirt. And you said, it's not about the garments that you're wearing. It's the way you you present yourself in them. You know, it's like the way you can move your body and pose in them. So in a sense, you could really probably teach anyone to command this great sense of uh, theater and and communication and style it goes far beyond the sartorial clothing that we wear oh my for sure I think it's interesting how we do a styled photo shoot at model camp um uh it used to be that I would style it but since COVID now I ask them to provide their own clothes and so many of these girls will try and um I don't know if it they think it will please me but they will try and say well I got a, a look from Prada I got a look from Gucci and Dolce Gabbana and I'm thinking, wow, girl, <laughs> like, where are you, where did you get that? That's a, that's me. I don't even have that. So I, I remind them that I'm not looking for that. In fact, you, by you wearing that, it won't make the clo- the, the photo any better. You have to perform. So, you know, I'm, I tell them like, give me a basic jean, you know, a, a Canadian tuxedo. Anything that it's, that's in your wardrobe already. And bring it, and I promise you, we will make that look like it was created by Dolce, Prada, Gucci, Fendi, um, because of how you're going to perform. So some people do have this mindset of, if I have these expensive things, I will be a better person, a better model, um, and it's just not the case. And I do even express it in class, too, that when we, we go over couture modeling, and I say to them that most of you probably will not get to walk the runways of couture, especially after COVID. We don't even know what's going on. But it is um, a rarity for most models to have that opportunity. However, you can wear a dress um, of your local uh, designer and make you 
make the performance of haute couture, that one-of-a-kind piece, that you are one-of-a-kind, and showcase that. So, yes, it is definitely not about the, the expensive garments, but more so about how we just perform. And that is our job. Our job is literally, the bottom line is, we are there to make you feel something. Um, whether you like it or not, I have made you feel something. So if you hate it, you felt something. You love it, you felt something. You bought it, you felt something. What about the question of age? You touched on it uh, a little earlier, but the question of age in this fashion business and the lens through which we see beautiful models who are out there strutting it and uh, hopefully seducing us to to buy certain things. I mean, that's what makes the industry go round. How do you feel women are treated as they age in fashion? I mean, I have not had such difficulty with it, maybe because I've just tuned it out. Uh, I am 32 and that is not old at all, but in this industry, I am a great grandmother already. Um, There's been many, many um, generations that have come after me already. Uh, And what was commonly thought was a model shouldn't really reach out to the next generation because if I do, she's replacing me anyway. So why help her? Why do anything for her? Um, Because she's going to have to learn on her own. And I understood, I was made to feel like that's how it was going to be, that I was going to feel this hurt that I was aged out. Um, and I haven't felt that, but yet there have been people that do feel that way. Um, and my thought is, but in this day and age, again, the, the industry has to pay attention to their clients and the client is saying, I don't see myself, whether it is in color of skin, body size, height, and the last frontier we say is age. And definitely in that um, space, there are women in their 70s. They're like, I don't see a woman my age selling me creams or products or clothing, hair. I'm seeing a 20-year-old or a teenager, but that, that I don't relate. And so again, the, the industry has to stop, take notice that their clients aren't happy. They want to see themselves in all of these categories. So age, yes, is probably the last of all of these others that we've been focusing so closely on. Um, But I think always of Mae Musk, who is 72. um, And every time I see her at an event, I think this woman outshines all of us. She is always so trendy in her clothing, her outfits, her everything. And she's so kind. And she's been modeling her entire life while she was, uh, you know, a mother to Elon Musk and her, his siblings. Um, she was always a model, experienced model, and she loved it. What I think that we can all learn from her, and we kind of discussed earlier, uh, is she's always been a kind, hardworking model, but she's always been willing to learn, even at her age, she's still willing to learn. And I think I definitely benefit with that too, that I'm no better than the younger models, that I'm willing to learn what is current, relevant, interesting, uh, and whatever is uh, important to the industry. She's the perfect example. So there, to me, there is no such thing as aging out unless you want to be aged out. 
I just wish to heck that there were more May Musks around or beyond May Musk. I mean, I'm 68. May Musk is only four years older than me. Like what's going to happen when I'm 75? I mean, I want to, I want to see women out there, as you say, that really um, reflect myself, you know, in a sense that I can really relate to that, you know, that resonate with me. And uh, I still think, uh, yeah, the age is, you know, it's happening a little teeny weeny bit, but it's got to happen so much more, but funny kind of industry. Yeah. And, and, the ride that you've had so far on the you know high fashion runways of the world has been so exquisite. I mean, you really came on the scene at uh, at a great time and got a chance to really ride the crest of of that phenomenal wave. Obviously, as you say, you know we're living in a much different world now. Hopefully, you know it won't be forever, but who's to know? And the fashion world was changing, had already changed so much. You know, even before twenty twenty kicked in. How do you look back on it now? Do you just think like, wow, I'm really lucky, privileged that I got a chance to see the scene and live the scene, work the scene during those years and now it's totally over? Or do you still have faith that the scene will recover and then maybe those old glory days will return? Um, I, in a sense, it would be nice if the glory days of my generation came back, but on, on another side, not so much. Uh, how we performed and how shows were over the top and photo shoots were over the top. Yes, that was fun. Um, on the other flip side, models didn't have a voice unless someone like you would give us a microphone. And that would be the only opportunity we had to share our opinion or our, have a conversation. Um, and if you were and I wasn't, I wouldn't even say, yes, maybe we were top models at the time, but top models didn't even have a, a real clear voice, whereas now we do. And now we can actually speak up. We can, you can write anything about us. You can tell a story that is all fibs and we can then clear it up. But back then there was no way of changing a narrative about you unless, of course, you may be a celebrity that could get on E! News. Um, so the glory days of performing, I miss. But the fact that I have a voice um, like I never did before, I would never want to go back to that. So I do tell the models, like, if only you could have experienced the shows, if only you could have experienced those sort of photo shoots. I miss that. I wish we could go back to that. And that's why I love still, and I mean, Gautier just retired, but he was kind of that last of giving us those fun experiences. Christian Siriano, who is based here in New York, although of course is not on that scene of it, he definitely has always looked at that era and wished he was part of it. So I can see it a little bit in his shows. Um, and I wish we could do more so of that. But I am like an old soul about those sort of things. Some models just love a walk straight down and back and, get the paycheck and out we go. But I definitely miss the performance of it. Mm. Yeah, you're definitely someone who uh, dances as fast as they can, I think, really, because you have managed to keep yourself so relevant. And it is always about the new and the next, certainly now in this state of pregnancy. When are you, when are you uh, delivering this? In November. So oh, we're almost there. 
Oh, that's so soon. That's so yes. soon. That's so wonderful. That's so <laughs> End wonderful. of November. So we're like, we're good. We got another like month and a bit. Yeah. But it's, uh, did you take a lot? You don't really take time off. I mean, I imagine that you're always sort of got your fingers in the work pie. I have uh, two more model camps before I officially go on my t- <laughs> maternity leave, if that's what we call it. But models, unfortunately, don't have maternity leave. So, um, and it's a weird sort of thing. If you start working uh, and you're promising that you will do a job in the future, but you know you're secretly pregnant, you kind of have to have the discussion with these clients saying, hey, by the way, no one knows I'm pregnant, but by the time we shoot, I might be showing. It's, a, it's very odd and weird. Um, I do remember my second child that I had to literally have a, a board meeting phone call and make the, all these businessmen sign this paper saying, uh, I'm about to tell you something that you can't uh, share with the world. I'm pregnant. And therefore, this project we were working on, which was a year, not a year, it was like seven months earlier, really needs to be rethought. So it is odd. And then afterwards, people think once you have a baby, it's almost like you've died, like you've gone away. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to immediately, and there's this pressure for a lot of women who are in the, it could be celebrity, anyone that's really mm-hmm. in the forefront of their industry needs to almost push themselves, motivate themselves to get going to show that, hey, I'm able to work and be mom and do everything. So there, uh, I wouldn't say I have a pressure of doing it. After two months of being at home with baby, I'm usually like, okay, let's do this. And I am so lucky to have a job where I can bring a baby on set that no one's going to say to me, hey, you can't feed that child here because then I'll be going home. So I, I know that I am very fortunate in the career choice that I have been able to bring my kids on set and especially when they're that young. So I do go to work quick, pretty quickly after because I just like to go back to life. Like it is fun to be mom at home in pajamas for two months, but I also love to just be, what's life with three kids? <laughs> it's going to work. It's, it's breastfeeding while shooting. It's all of the above. And it, I, that's the part that I love. Thank you so much, Coco Rocha, for all uh, all the light that you've uh, shone, both in the world of uh, fashion and just in the world at large. You've been a, a wonderful example for so many young women, truly a trailblazer, and I uh, wish you continued success. Thank you for being on this episode of Beyond Style Matters. Thanks for listening. To see video versions of the podcasts, check out tsc.ca slash stylematters. You can watch Style Matters Thursday on TSC or on the tsc.ca website. New episodes of Beyond Style Matters will be coming at you every Monday. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.